Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. Super excited that you're here today and some really fun stuff coming up. And I'm really excited about this episode too. I've been getting a lot of questions about the myths that we're going to be covering today and I figured it'd be a really great uh, podcast episode to do. So before we get into today's episode, I want to celebrate one of my clients, Valeria. Uh, She is one of my global clients. She's based in the Netherlands and has been inside my group coaching program and has just absolutely crushed it. And I'm really, really proud of her not only for just landing her dream L&D role, she was in a recruiting role and wanted to transition into the learning and development space, but what I'm most proud about is the mindset shift that led to her landing this role. So we had worked together for a while and it was so interesting to see that as soon as she shifted her mindset, um, and a lot of it came from finding her niche and really, really being at peace with her niche and owning her niche. And as soon as she started to do that and really, really stuck to her guns in a way of when things got hard, not selling herself short or settling, um, but really, really sticking to that North Star that was her niche, I saw the confidence grow. And honestly, within two, three weeks after that, she had landed her her new full-time role inside of L&D. So Valeria, I am so proud of you. I'm so excited for this role. She is now leading the learning and development function. And she wants something very specific too, which y'all can have have specificities when it comes to, to your role, not just in what you do, but how it's structured. Uh, she wanted to work 32 hours a week. She has a family she wanted to be present for and have a flexible schedule. There was a certain amount of money she wanted to make. She's making more money than she was before working in a full, full-time role. Uh, so not only did she get the dream role she wanted, but the dream circumstances too. So Valeria, I am so proud of you. I'm so excited for this next chapter and I can't wait to see where you go from here. And also speaking of niche, so I wanted to go ahead, if you are listening to this when it comes out, Tuesday the 22nd, uh, this is the week of Thanksgiving here in the US. I know we have lots of international listeners. Um, but I am doing a Black Friday sale that has already started. So I announced it. I think I announced it. Yeah, my newsletter um, on last Friday. Uh, but I am doing a Black Friday special on the Nail Your Niche live workshop series. So I've talked about that here. It's kicking off on Monday the 28th. It is going to be my Nail Your Niche workshop that I do live once a year. Uh, so otherwise you can buy it asynchronously um, with so no feedback from me, but during these two weeks, we spend two weeks together really going through and figuring out what your L&D niche is. So if you are tired of 
spinning your wheels. You don't know what the right role at the right company looks like for you. You don't know how to articulate that. Um, you need a roadmap for success when it comes to career transitioning. This is going to be the perfect program for you to join. It's two weeks. It's live. Um, you're going to get access to the modules in a drip, uh, in a drip style. Uh, so you'll get access to those asynchronously, so you can do those on your own time. Uh, but we'll have a daily group chat where you'll get group coaching from me every single day for two weeks. Uh, and then we also have two live Q&As. So you're going to get my eyes on your niche. We'll be able to workshop that out together. So probably wondering, what's the Black Friday special? Uh, so a lot of questions I get at the end of the niche workshop is, this was amazing. Uh, this is incredible. I feel really confident in what it is I want to do. How does my, how can I get my resume to reflect that? So I have a course called L&D Resume Reprogram. And for anyone who signs up by end of day Friday, the 25th, so Black Friday, anyone who signs up by Friday, the 25th, will get the L&D Resume Reprogram course absolutely free. So that's a, I think it's $333, something like that. I don't even know how much it is. I'll have to look, but uh, it is a really great deal to get included for free. So again, if you want to sign up for the Nail Your Niche Workshop series and you do so before Friday the 25th or by end of the day, Friday the 25th, you will get free access to the L&D resume reprogram course once the niche workshop wraps up. So that is a killer deal. Not only will you then leave with your niche, but you'll also leave with an absolutely epic, incredible resume. I'll teach you the format uh, and the process that I walk all my clients through that have helped them land the most epic L&D careers. So uh, if you want to join that, go to the overnighttrainer.com slash events that will be in there for you to register for. And if you have any questions about it, just, you know, where to find me. You can DM me on LinkedIn. I can send you the link there. Um, or you can feel free to email me hello at the overnighttrainer.com. Um, also, if you are already registered for the Nail Your Niche live program, you'll automatically get the uh, get the deal. So you didn't didn't miss it. If you're already in there, I know many of you are, which is so exciting. Uh, but you did not did not miss the miss the deal uh, if you have already registered for it. So awesome. All right, let's get into today's episode. So I want to talk about, like I mentioned in the beginning, some of the myths that I keep hearing, and I see these pop up in my inbox a lot. I see people talk about. Um, these as if they're facts, but they're really not. And it's so interesting. The reason why I wanted to talk about this, and this has come up inside of my group coaching program inside of Fast Track uh, recently, is is all the advice that's out there, right? And it, it, I know how challenging it can be to hear one thing from someone and not something else from someone else and something else from someone else. And you're like, what, but what is the answer, right? What, what should I be doing? Especially when you're career transitioning, whether you're trying to get into learning and development for the first time, or you're already in it and you want to grow in your career. I know how frustrating it can be to just constantly hear different pieces of advice. And it was something interesting that, you know, my coach actually heard her talk about it on her podcast recently. And, you know, I, I'm seeing all this advice out there. And the first thing that I always look at is, and this person who's giving advice, is this their journey or have they actually mastered this in some way, shape or form? And I think it's really easy for people who have you know, just completed a career transition journey to want to help others, which is amazing, um, and to want to share what worked for them. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that that was their journey and what worked for them and you are not them, right? So I think it's really, really, really important. And one of the things we talked about inside my group coaching program just just about an hour ago, actually, is 
how important it is to be intentional about who you're consuming information from. And so I say all that to say, uh, it, when I see a lot of these myths coming, a lot of times it comes from people who, you know, have not mastered a particular topic in regards to transitioning careers in L&D. It's more that that's just what's worked for them. So again, I'm based on having mastered this. I will confidently say that. I've helped over 200 people land their dream L&D roles in the last two years. So I've seen this in many different ways, shapes, and forms. And so today I'm going to go through just some of the myths that I see pop up and debunk them a little bit for you. So the first one, and I hear this happen, I see that here and see this happen a lot. Uh, people say this a lot, at least, um, is if you transition into L&D for the first time, you have to start entry level with entry level pay. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, on average, my clients land roles, you know, starting at, you know, $104,000. That was, that was last year's number that on average, their salaries were $104,000. Uh, per year. And most of my clients, I see about 60 to 70, it's about 60%, I'm trying to do the math in my head now, about 60, probably 60 to 65% are current and former educators. So a lot of people who are transitioning into L&D for the first time. And I have never had a client who has had to take an entry-level role with entry-level pay. I've had some choose to do that because of where they were in their lives and what it is that they wanted to do and the level of responsibility they wanted to have, right? So it definitely is a choice, um, but that's exactly, it is a choice. You are not forced to and you do not have to start entry-level with entry-level pay. Because here's the thing, learning and development is a field made up of transferable skills. There are, there are very few, if any, skills that are strictly related and strictly owned by learning and development, right? Like when I go through the list and I think about curriculum design, facilitation, um, content development, collaboration, public speaking, uh, problem solving, project management, program management, when I think about all of the skills and the list goes on and on and on and on and on, um, I think about all of the skills None of them are exclusive to learning and development. You can hear my dog coming in in the background. Hey, Susie, she's saying hi to everyone. Uh, but none of them are exclusive to learning and development. So unless you're coming straight out of school or college, right, and you have had zero prior work experience whatsoever, right, you don't need to accept an entry-level role unless you choose to. And this conversation also came up inside of Fast Track today, and I was coaching my clients on it. And, and I'm probably going to do a post on this soon, but... In regards to redefining what we think is direct experience, right? So a lot of times we hear direct experience and we think direct experience means that I've done this exact same thing, you know, somewhere else doing the exact same role in the exact same type of organization. And, and that couldn't be further from the truth, right? Direct experience means that you've done this before, right? So if you look at, if you look at a job description and it says curriculum development, well, just because you haven't done curriculum development for a specific subject in a specific industry in a specific field doesn't mean that you haven't done curriculum development, right? So I think I think we get really, really caught up in what actually is you know, transferable is direct experience. If you can transfer it from one space to another, that is direct experience. So it's really important to keep that in mind. And so I think a lot of people they 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 pre-categorize themselves 
as not having direct experience. And so they automatically think, well, okay, then I have to start from the bottom, right? This, this is a new career for me. And the reality is it's not a new career. It's a career shift, but it's not a completely new career for you. And so, you know, again, unless you are completely going from, you know, being a educator to being a heart surgeon, okay, you probably have to start entry level there, right? Uh, but learning and development is not heart surgery. And there are so many transferable skills. I mean, I've had people who have been, of course, educators, all different types of educators, math, science, uh, language, literacy, you, you name it, you know, educators from K-12 all the way through higher ed. I've had academic advisors. I've had recruiters get into L&D. I have had people who are in marketing get into L&D. Um, trying to think, Arch two architects. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and none of them had to take an entry level role with entry level pay. So I just want to remind you that you are way more qualified than you think that you are. And this is something that I talk a lot about with my clients inside of the Fast Track program, uh, which is, if you would like to join us, we'd love to have you. But one of the courses, and this isn't a course for sale, but it's a course that I include inside of Fast Track. It's called L&D Career Confidence and Clarity. And what happens is, is that we get told so many times one thing that we start to believe it, right? And we start to see it over and over again of, oh, I had to take an entry level role. I need to start entry level. You know, and anyone who tells you that, like that's, that just because that was their journey doesn't mean it has to be yours. But we hear it over and over again, we start to believe that it's true. That's just how our, our brains work. And so inside of the LD Career Confidence and Clarity course that's inside of Fast Track, the goal of that is to almost reprogram, right? Decondition ourselves from the from what's fact and what's fiction and what's been told to us and what's been created versus what is actually known to be true. And so you know, we really think through what what are those beliefs that we have and, and where do those beliefs stem from, right? What is that we call root source thinking? What is the root source thought that's impacting our beliefs and our uh, behaviors, right? And the way that we show up. And so if you are showing up every day thinking that, the only thing you'll ever get is entry level, entry level pay. I really, really encourage you to identify where did that root source thought come from? What has formed that belief for you? And how can we start to reprogram that? Okay, so the other myth, another myth that I want to go through um, is that having a fancy, I'm like already rubbing my eyes about this, having a fancy portfolio is the only way to get an ID role. And here's the thing, for those of you who have already done the niche work and have decided that working in some sort of instructional design capacity or having instructional design be part of what your niche is, uh, if that's the direction you decided to go in, then most likely you will need to have a portfolio of some level, right? That there needs to be some sort of way to capture your work samples. But where people get really, really, well, and I also want to back up because if you have not done the niche work and you think that instructional designer is the only role for you out there, I really, really encourage you to take a step back and explore all the opportunities that are out there for you. So I do have a free guide if you haven't accessed it yet. If you go to my website, theovernighttrainer.com, uh, there's a free guide on the homepage called 50 plus L&D roles plus top skills needed to land them. And it outlines you know, all these different L&D roles, all the different skills required for them, and it will really help you see beyond instructional design. But if you've done that and you've come back to ID, 
or utilizing the skill of instructional design inside of your niche and as a main skill, you're definitely going to need some sort of um, some sort of portfolio or some way to showcase, like I said, your work samples. But here's the thing. A lot of people, A, don't do the niche work and just automatically say, oh, ID sounds good. Sure, this sounds cool. Let me do this. And starts to then dive headfirst into a portfolio, only then down the line to realize that they don't necessarily want to be an instructional designer. They spent all this time and money on a portfolio and now they're back to square one. So I do want to kick off there. I actually had someone in my inbox the other day um, who's joining the Nail Your Niche Live workshop series because that's exactly what they did. They thought that ID was the only thing out there. They thought it was cool. They went for it. They created a portfolio. They got a job. And now they're like, hmm, this wasn't quite what I wanted. And I didn't realize how much more was out there for me. And so now we're doing the work. So again, first and foremost, I'm going to keep harping on it. Make sure you know that ID is for you uh, and that you've explored other options and you've done the work. Um, but a lot of times people get so crazed on making a perfect portfolio uh, and this like beautiful, beautiful website. And here's the reality: like, is having a portfolio important in landing an an ID role? It is absolutely. There needs to be a place where you house your work samples, where you can send that to people so they can see what you are capable of. But you do not have to be a master web designer, right? No one is looking unless they're hiring you to do web design. No one, excuse my French, gives a shit that your website is like the state of the art, fancy schmancy thing, right? So you're spending all this time and energy on making your website pretty, yet most of the times what I see are that people's work samples are actually the shit. Like not like the in a good way, right? Like that like you're spending you don't you're spending so much time and energy on the look of your portfolio that you're not focusing as much on the look and the in, the instructional integrity of the work samples you're putting on there. And so I get people in my inbox all the time like my, port my portfolio is so great. I spent so much time working on it. Like I made it, you know, this fancy schmancy thing and I don't understand why no one's calling me. And I'm like, it's because your work samples are terrible. Yeah, your website's beautiful. And if you're looking to be a web designer, then yeah, absolutely someone would hire you. But your work samples do not showcase and show me that you are a skilled instructional designer or that you have those capabilities. And it's interesting because I was actually on... Um, Tom McDowell has a podcast called um, Ideas, so I, capital D, E-A-S, and we were talking and he actually told me a story about um, how he hired someone in the last year whose portfolio was basically a Word document or a Google Doc that had hyperlinks to their best work. And that's what people want to see. That's what hiring managers want to see from you. They want to see samples of your best work. They do not care what your portfolio looks like. They do not care what your website looks like. They do not care what your headshot looks like or, you know, the fancy schmancy things on the website. Again, unless they're hiring for someone who can do web design. So I really encourage you to stop with the, you know, analysis free, like that freeze, right? The analysis freeze and stop focusing on the intricate design of your portfolio and instead focus on quality and relevant work samples. It's really, really important to, to remember that, that having a fancy portfolio will not get you an ID role. Having quality, relevant work samples will, and you don't need hundreds of them. I teach inside of Fast Track, I teach two different ways to create a portfolio, and I encourage my clients to share anywhere from two to four work samples, depending on what their niche is. So again, a lot of it goes back to that, that 
even within instructional design, you, there are hundreds of different niches that you can have depending on what skills you want to utilize. I've had clients who have gotten instructional designer roles and what they're responsible for solely is just creating e-learning. And they, 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 they just, they get the storyboard from someone else. They create the e-learning, they send it off. And that's their, that's their whole role. I have other clients who are instructional designers who they really focus mostly on the needs analysis part and the design and working with subject matter experts. And then they give it handed off to someone else. I have clients who are instructional designers who are more full service and they're doing all of those things. And so again, I also have clients who are instructional designers who focus more on the end side of things, on the implementation, on the evaluation of it and going back and making sure that they're making the correct edits and that the the programs are correct and that the the learning that they're creating you know, is, is updated on an as-needed basis. And so, again, there's so many different ways that you can go inside of instructional design. And again, if that's the direction you're going in, you have to know which almost which sub-direction you want to go in and creating a portfolio that really showcases that. So for you, if you want to be the person who is just doing that e-learning, then I want to see two to three examples of your e-learning. If you're someone who wants to be the one who's working with a subject matter expert, who's creating the storyboards, you know, I want to see a sample of your storyboarding. So really keeping in mind that you need to understand what your L&D niche is, even if you say, I want to be in instructional design. Instructional design is a role. Instructional design is actually a subfield of learning and development. It is not a niche. So once you know that, hey, I want to be in that world and I want to utilize instructional design as a skill inside of my niche, then figure out, okay, what does that look like for me? And how can I now put together work samples that showcase what it is I actually want to be doing? How you house them is up to you. But again, don't put ultra, ultra emphasis into making this beautiful, beautiful website when you should put the emphasis on creating those work samples. Okay, hopping off soapbox. <laughs> All right, another myth. I'm already rolling my eyes too because I... You know, I've heard this less and less, but I do see that it pops up sometimes. And so I think it's important to reiterate this. And I probably talked about this in like every other podcast episode. But um, a big myth I hear is that the more roles you apply to, the more interv interviews that you'll get. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And I, again, I've experienced that hundreds of times now working with my clients over the last couple of years because a lot of people will come to me. And they'll say, I've applied to 100 roles, 200 roles, 300 roles. I've heard nothing. So again, that tells me that the more you're applying to, right, that is not working. The more interviews you're not getting. And that's because the rule of averages doesn't apply to job applications, right? The rule of averages is the more you, the more you apply, the more you should get. It's not true. And so if you... If you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks, which is exactly what that's doing, is you'll be waiting a very, very, very long time to get a bite. And rather than doing that, and I know those of you listening to the podcast, you're like, I know what you're about to say, right? You want to find your niche, your L&D niche, and then only apply to roles inside of your niche. And that can seem really, really challenging at first because we're used to throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks when it comes to job applications. And so rather than just applying to apply, you know, 15, 20 times a week, you might only be applying to one job a week, two jobs a week, maybe three jobs a week. Maybe one week it's eight, one week it's zero, right? You're only applying to roles that fit inside your niche. But what happens is you see a much higher rate of interviews 
And it also consumes much less time, right? Even just applying, I know a lot of people update their resumes every single time. That's not the way that I teach inside of my, my fast track program. But, you know, if you think about every single time that you apply for a role, it takes time. So if you're doing that a hundred times, it's taking you an average of, you know, 20 minutes uh, per, and I think that's a less on a low average for a lot of people, right? You're spending so much time, you're wasting actually so much time. So what I see in my clients is, yeah, they go from applying to a hundred and hearing back from one to applying to 10 and hearing back from five or six or seven or eight, right? So it's a much higher rate of return and it gives you so much more time back. Finding a new role should never be a full-time job. If it's taking you, if it's if it's, if it's consuming you like a full-time job, you've got to work on your strategy. You've got to work on your strategy. I can help with that, but got to work on your strategy. All right, I've already touched on this next one, but y'all know me, I'm going to touch on it again. All right, and, the, and that is that instructional design is the best path for teachers, teachers and educators to transition into. Again, just because some other teachers have transitioned into instructional design does not mean it's the right path for you. I always say that, like, I feel like at the beginning of COVID or even right before that, um, as teachers really started to, you know, consider re- leaving education for good, I-, I like to say it's a bad game of telephone, right? That one teacher somewhere got a role as an instructional designer and then the game of telephone came in that, oh, if you want to leave the classroom, you have to become an instructional designer. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It really, really couldn't be. You know, I've had teachers transition transition into learning program managers, onboarding specialists, lead facilitators, L&D leads, right? So many more roles beyond instructional design. And it's just really, really important. I know I've mentioned a couple of times in this episode, but just remembering is that when you look at someone else's journey, you can't try to copy it because you're not them. You don't, you might have come from the same, you know, kind of experience, but you might not have the same interests or the same skills or the same values, right? When I talk about finding your L&D niche, that is what I mean, right? What are your transferable skill set that you actually enjoy and want to utilize in your next role? What are the values that you have that you want your next organization and department and manager to share, right? What are the interests that you have that you're exploring that you want to be able to learn more about in your next role, right? You look at someone else's path, they don't have all the same as you because they're not you. You are uniquely you. And so, again, it's keeping in mind that there, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be an instructional designer. What's wrong is when you think that's the only thing that you can do and that's what you laser focus in on. That's what's going to slow you down so much when you've picked, even just, and I'll say beyond instructional design, just picking one role. I just did a post on this uh, on Instagram the other day, right? That just pick, picking just one role and focusing on that is probably the number one thing that's slowing down your job search. Uh, and I've used the example before too, even like a L&D specialist. I get people all the time in my inbox. I want to be an L&D specialist. What is it that I need to do? Like, well, L&D specialists can be different at every single company. Like I, I have three clients recently who've been L&D specialists who've gotten those roles and they do three completely different things, right? So going back again and not just focusing, not just focusing on instructional design or any role, right? And not just thinking because someone else did it that it's going to be the right path for you. So I want you to really understand your own journey, your skills, your interests, your values, and make the strategy your own. 
All right. The last myth I want to bust today is that you need an L&D degree certification to get noticed by hiring managers and recruiters. And again, you know, I actually, I did a LinkedIn poll. When did I do this? I did a LinkedIn poll early, I think it's earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year. And um, I had asked L&D recruiters and hiring managers what was the most important piece when they when they looked at um, hiring people into learning and development roles, what was most important for them? And they said that transferable skill set and transferable experience was far more important to them than L&D certifications or an L&D degree. And so I think a lot of people, again, going back to even what we had talked about in the beginning, right, of really truly understanding your transferable experience, a lot of people don't see their own experience as transferable or their own experience as direct. So of course, if you don't see that, it's going to be very, very hard for you to to share that, right, and for have someone else see that in you. And so the first thing most people think is, okay, let me collect another degree. Let me collect another certification. Let me fork out money for this and fork out money for that. And the reality is 9.5 times out of 10, you already have all the skills that you need to transition into the role of your dreams. Is there going to be opportunities for you to upskill? Absolutely. Absolutely there is. None of us are perfect unicorn human beings. There's absolutely going to be an opportunity for you to upskill, but upskilling doesn't is not synonymous with getting another degree or a certification. Upskilling can be that you read an article and now you know what you need to know. I think again, we, a lot of times we we put emphasis on needing to be the expert in something. Hiring managers aren't looking for you to be the expert; they're looking for you to have working knowledge, but not to be the expert in everything. No one is the expert in everything. So really keeping in mind, you know, if, if you're being told, oh, you need to get an L&D degree and certification um, to get hired and noticed, that can be further, further away from the truth. You know, it's really, really thinking about what are the transferable skill set that I bring to the table? What are the interests that I have? What are my values? What does my niche look like? And then understanding, okay, what are these roles that are popping up for me in my niche? And what are the areas here that I'm not clear on, that I could use more support on? And in that case, I always say, do a Google search. A lot of times too, it's just, it's not that you need a degree or a certification in it. You just need to learn the language a little bit more, right? And then you're like, oh, I, I kind of think about it too. Like, you know, when uh, doctors from other countries, right, move move, and like they're they have to like go through school again. But really the reality is like surgery is surgery. It's just that we're, we were, we're calling these body parts two different things. We speak two different languages. Luckily here, we're not talking about surgeons. We're talking about learning and development professionals, right? So a lot of times you might just need to understand the language, but not get recertified. I have someone who, a client of right now, who's who invested in a huge instructional design course. And every day she's like, I already know all this. I, I've done all this. I've been an educator. Like I just didn't know it was called that, but that's it, right? That's all I needed to know is that it, that was the name of this. Um, and so she's not finding the value in it because she already knew it. She just needed to learn the language. So it's not, you do not need to get an L&D degree or certification to get noticed by hiring managers and recruiters. And in fact, I encourage you to spend that time and that energy in understanding those skill sets you already have and how you can bring that to the table. 
All right, so those are the myths that we covered today. Um, if you like this episode, I can definitely do things like this again. If you are like, hey, I've heard this piece of advice. Uh, I want to know if it's, you know, if it's true or not. You can feel free to DM me. Uh, I'll let you know, and like, I can also add that to a future episode. But again, would love to have you join us for Nail Your LND Niche Live. We kick off on. I almost said May, Oof, not May, on Monday, uh, November 28th. So the Monday after Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to kick off uh, every, like I said, the, the modules we delivered asynchronous to, asynchronously to you um, on a schedule. We'll have two live Q&A sessions with me. Um, one will be in the middle of it to answer questions. One will be at the end to wrap everything up. And then you will have daily access to a group Voxer chat. That's how I do all of my coaching, um, where you can get daily insights inspiration, daily coaching, daily advice from me. Um, you'll get my eyes on your niche. And again, if you do register by this Friday, uh, end of day, the 25th, you will get the LD Resume Reprogram course absolutely for free, my friends. So that is a wonderful deal. Highly encourage you to take yourself up on that, take myself up on it. I would love to work with you. For everyone who's already in it, I can't wait to see you live. It's gonna be so exciting uh, to spend two weeks together, especially in between kind of the, this holiday season, gearing up for uh, an epic 2023. Can't believe that's already around the corner. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see you all there. Again, if you have any questions about it whatsoever, please, 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 please DM me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email, hello at theovernighttrainer.com, and I'll be happy to answer them for you. So looking forward to seeing you all all the next time I'm on the podcast, we will have already kicked off. So I hope to see you there, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools, as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.